wrestling fans, how you doing? You are listening to the next era in pro wrestling analysis. You're listening to WrestleRant Radio. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews bringing you the front to NWWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at nexterawrestling.net. Graham, we are two days, two days away from relishing in the return of the demonic dome known as the Elimination Chamber. While Raw has been red hot this week with the official introduction of Samoa Joe to the WWE Universe, SmackDown has just captivated our focus as we are heading into this deadly competition live this Sunday on the WWE Network. So many matches on this card, so many layers to explore. So let's kick things off and discuss the main event. Graham? We got six of SmackDown's most elite superstars. You got the WWE Champion John Cena facing insurmountable odds when he defends that championship against five of SmackDown's top-tier talent. You got Baron Corbin. You got the former champion AJ Styles. You got The Miz, Bray Wyatt, and the Intercontinental Champion Dean Ambrose. It's a stacked elimination chamber, and that's only the beginning of what's going to be an amazing event on Sunday night. Now, let's focus on the order of priority here. Now, John Cena is our WWE World Champion. John Cena on Talking Smack this week had very bold words to say, maybe somewhat in opposition to things that we have heard even this week on SmackDown, even just moments prior to him joining the SmackDown Live post-show, Talking Smack, John Cena comes out and says something to the effect of, AJ Styles and John Cena are firing on all cylinders. And if there is anyone that is toe-to-toe with John Cena right now, it is AJ Styles, the phenomenal one. What did you take away from that comment? I got to disagree. I mean, I think even Bray Wyatt took exception to that. In a, another interview that he conducted over the past week, he says he doesn't care what John Cena says. I don't think a lot of people care what John Cena says in terms of what he says, in terms of AJ Styles being on the same tier as John Cena. And he indeed is. But you look at the rest of that Elimination Chamber. It's not Mojo Raleigh and and Victor of the Ascension. You got six of SmackDown's top superstars. You got Baron Corbin, who pinned AJ Styles, the same man that John Cena said was on his level. He just pinned AJ Styles on two. Tuesday night, the IC champion, Bray Wyatt, you got The Miz in there, all of SmackDown's most, they're hungriest superstars in the moment, and with WrestleMania only two months away, any one of these men can walk into the main event of WrestleMania against Randy Orton as the WWE champion. This is is very uh, um, common uh, trait of John Cena to make bold declarations of only a single superstar that he's personally having a connection with and call them the competition. You know, it's almost like the John Cena seal of approval and that becomes the focus. And maybe that was the kind of the way that John Cena came up in the WWE. And that was how business was done in the days of Triple H being heavily involved in the Elimination Chamber in the days of Brock Lesnar even being involved in the Elimination Chamber. But that does not seem to be this caliber, this this class of elimination chamber contenders that we have here, we have all kinds of different spectrums coming into this match, and it truly feels like anyone can walk away as the champion here. Now, whomever comes out as the champion here is going to go on to WrestleMania, presumably, to face the Viper Randy Orton in the main event. Um what who out of all of this competition do you find that John Cena has a clear chance at walking out as the champion or do you feel like there is someone so brazenly qualified here that they are going to 
use this chamber, use this structure to their advantage. What do you think? Well, I mean, I'll give my official prediction in a moment, but I do feel John Cena absolutely has a chance of surviving this elimination chamber. There is only one other man aside from Cena who has won five elimination chambers, and that being Triple H. John Cena up next with three, winning it in 2005, or 2006, rather, 2011, and another year I forgot to mention, but three other Elimination Chamber matches John Cena has won and has gone on to WrestleMania to either compete or defend the WWE Championship. So it sounds like you're suggesting that some experience in the Elimination Chamber gives you some type of an advantage, especially if you're coming in as defending champion. Well, I mean, you look at the rest of the field, too. I thought, you know, this struck upon me on Tuesday. This struck me on Tuesday night. Dean Ambrose, Baron Corbin, and AJ Styles, and I think even... Even Bray Wyatt, four of the six of these guys in this match have never been inside an Elimination Chamber, and even The Miz has only been it maybe once. So, and Cena's won it three times. He's been in at least five to six Chamber matches. Well, as the consummate New Englander that John Cena is, perhaps a mirror of what we saw the New England Patriots pull off against the Atlanta Falcons will be at play here because certainly Cena has everything to lose and everyone is coming after him specifically, not only for the title, but for the bragging rights of beating up John Cena. The Elimination Chamber this Sunday is going to be scorching. It is going to be unbelievable to see. It's one of my favorite matches that the WWE puts on. And the reason why you don't see the Elimination Chamber so often and the reason why it's still a very special event, see it while you can and relish it while you can. The reason the Elimination Chamber does not appear in many um, uh, arenas is because of the additions that arenas have done to modernize their their platform for different events that they host, whether it's sporting or entertainment, the uh, titantrons of the 90s have now been replaced with cubes and pods that hang basically directly in the center of the ceiling. The structure for Elimination Chamber is so large, they can't store it anywhere else. They have to suspend it and lower it down onto the ring. And oftentimes that would mean it would be you know 10 to 20 feet just above the ring and on camera in every shot and you can't have that so there's only a handful of arenas in the country as i understand that can still host this event and that is why smackdown having the elimination chamber makes all the sense in the world this is an exclusive brand to this brand of professional wrestling and it sets them apart from the things that are happening on raw going into fast lane, going into, you know, they're, they're steamrolling and charging so fast towards WrestleMania. SmackDown Live seems to be taking it one beat down at a time. And that's the difference between these two shows right now. And we're going to see the full display of competition this Sunday at the Elimination Chamber. So without further ado, moving, the, the, the card does not end with the Elimination Chamber. We have a very big, one of my my dream matches that I've been uh, hoping and pining for for a long time, regardless of who was in uh, the championship position, but the SmackDown Women's Championship match versus Alexa Bliss, the current SmackDown Women's Champion, will be going up against Naomi. This is a matchup that I have uh, long believed Naomi is due for. She has more than earned that spot to, to contend against especially someone like Alexa Bliss. And after the contract signing that happened this past Tuesday, you can't deny how focused, laser sharp, and quick the experience, the tenure, and all of the drive and motivation to be a champion that is in within, within Naomi. Do you, do you think Alexa Bliss really has an arsenal to go up against Naomi? 
I don't know. I mean, Naomi has beaten her in the past. I mean, you go back for the past couple weeks at the Royal Rumble, two days later on SmackDown Live. You go back to No Mercy when Naomi filled in for Becky Lynch, beat her on pay-per-view. So she has various wins over the current champion that aren't flukes. Um, but I could not agree more with your assessment of Naomi. We were sitting in these exact same seats a year ago, singing the praises of Naomi, discussing how underrated she is, how she much, very much deserved the shot at that championship. And she gets it on Sunday. And I know we were texting back and forth over this past week in regards to the contract signing, which I completely agree was absolutely brilliant. And what I loved most about that was that Naomi said, if she wins on Sunday, she walks into WrestleMania as champion, obviously, but it's her hometown of Orlando, meaning that much more to her that she wins on Sunday. So Absolutely. I think it's definitely up in the air in regards to who goes over in this match. And and, and and to think that Naomi can't just walk in and steamroll over Alexa Bliss. Like you said, it's been done. She's been beaten uh, by Naomi before. And in this contract signing, Alexa Bliss has way too much of a chip on her shoulder. Naomi just casually said she was going to let somebody feel the glow. And this whole time that Naomi has been coming up with this phrase of feeling the glow I haven't been all that into it I'm very much into literally everything else she's doing except for that phrase and then I realized what she meant by it the glow in her shoes connects to the face that she's kicking off and that is how you feel the glow and it lit me up like a Christmas tree I thought that that was hilarious and I said what what a better way to come full circle on that phrase and add that to your arsenal that your your rapport Short on words, high on action. Absolutely going to go with Naomi in this match. Alexa Bliss has uh, certainly the championship advantage here. So I'm going to say it's very likely Naomi gets a win. Whether she walks away with that championship belt, that I don't quite know. I don't quite see it. I don't quite see Alexa Bliss not just leaving the arena to ensure that she can retain that belt. It means more to her than losing. So... Uh, we will see what happens there. Now, just to stick, take a quick step back, I realize that we did not make any kind of official prediction for the Elimination Chamber this year. Uh, let's take a quick moment between John Cena, AJ Styles, Bray Wyatt, Dean Ambrose, The Miz, and Baron Corbin. Graham, who do you have walking out as the WWE champion? I know all eyes are currently on Bray Wyatt going on to WrestleMania, clinching his first ever singles championship in WWE to face Randy Orton at WrestleMania. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say AJ Styles. I know AJ Styles is hungrier than ever to get that gold back in his possession. I think he's going to be the last surviving superstar in this match, whether it be help from The Miz taking out John Cena or what have you, whether Samoa Joe shows up on SmackDown for whatever reason. Whatever it might be, John Cena will not be walking out of chamber, but taking it one step further, AJ Styles, your new champion on Sunday. Fascinating. I, I, I'm leaning with AJ Styles as well in the confrontation that they had on, on Tuesday's SmackDown Live. It seemed that AJ Styles brought a level of confidence that seemed so absolute that the other con competitors just, you know, were, were coming out and, and ruffling feathers and getting in the face of the other competition. Uh, and Bray Wyatt certainly has that stoic, you know, solemnness about him. But I did not see anyone look as prepared for that match as AJ Styles. And if you look at his entire career, it seems like this structure is going to play to his strengths absolutely. So John Cena has a lot to be worried about, and he is correct in that, that AJ Styles is firing on all cylinders. But, you know, let's focus on Bray Wyatt out of this match and segue right into this matchup that we have. You know, you would think you could be able to say at this point brother versus brother, but it has literally never felt that way. Step brother versus cousin is, is a little bit more appropriate here. Distant 
deranged cousin Luke Harper versus Randy the Viper Orton. Obviously, there is a lot of heat between these two uh, would-be family members of the Wyatts. It, this match just feels like it's it's vengeful and uh, dirty. You know what? What do you think Luke Harper brings to this that Randy Orton expects to 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 overcome? We don't know, and that's exactly it. I enjoyed their outing a few weeks ago on SmackDown, largely because Harper sensed when the RKO was coming. No one knows Randy Orton better right now than Luke Harper after spending so many months in the Wyatt family together, um, which is why I think makes this match so compelling, what makes this match so intriguing to me. Um, I think Luke Harper, no matter whether he wins or loses, comes out of this match a star. Um, I think he has shined the past couple weeks, especially in the main event of SmackDown this past week, helping John Cena beat Randy Orton in the main event of SmackDown, so... Luke Harper should be emerging from this feud with the Wyatt family, whether it ends here or at WrestleMania, as a star. So I think Orton scores the victory, but I do think Orton, will, or rather Harper, will bring something to the table that we're not expecting. Well, and that's that's just it. That's what I think Randy Orton um, certainly hasn't spent enough time in the Wyatt family to really understand what a person like Luke Harper is willing to go through. Wins and losses don't mean a whole lot to that man, and uh, inflicting pain does. So Randy Orton being the chosen uh, uh, person going into the main event of WrestleMania can really ill afford a major injury to himself sustained by a steel chair, kendo stick, smash through a table, steel steps, you know, God knows what else that Luke Harper has in mind. And who knows if he has anything in mind. If he sees, he, he sees something shiny and that it looks like it's going to hurt, he's going to pick it up. So uh, Randy Orton is just not, I, I, I don't know if he's in that dark enough spot to bring that against Luke Harper, especially maybe he's a little bit uh, reserved. Maybe he still feels a connection to the Wyatt family, and this is just in-sibling fighting to him. But maybe Luke Harper's going to take it a little bit more seriously and take it that much further across that line. We we will see what happens uh, as a result of that and what that means going into WrestleMania beyond the Elimination Chamber. Um, as far as other notable big... Um, uh, championship matches we have a uh, tag team turmoil match that literally sees every tag team in the smackdown roster competing for the championship belts uh currently held by american alpha um haven't seen the usos a lot recently they are part of this match uh we see the ascension in in bits and pieces here and there we see heath slater and rhino in bits and pieces here and there we see brizongo and the vaudevillians vaudevillains why are we not seeing tag team wrestling thriving on SmackDown Live? Because it's certainly not thriving on Raw either right now. But to have a tag team turmoil match to what reassign who the champion you give 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 any of these teams a chance to be champion? It seems like a a, a paper victory. It doesn't seem like there is any kind of turmoil between any of these teams right now. Graham, what's been your assessment of this? No, I completely agree as well. It feels like they're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks at this point in terms of the SmackDown Tag Team Division. I like American Alpha a lot. I think they have a ton of potential. I'm very glad they're champions. But American Alpha are up here, and everyone else is down there, even the Usos, who we have not seen in a while. I'm really yearning for just a two-on-two match between American Alpha and the Usos. We know what they're capable. They had an amazing, strong series of matches late last year in contending for those tag team titles. And I think we should see a renewal of that rivalry at some point, hopefully by WrestleMania. Um, but I think for this tag team matchup, I got to go American Alpha just because 
they are head over heels with everyone else in the tag team division right now. But yeah, I, I just can't put my finger on it in terms of what's missing from this division. Maybe more star power because we have the teams. It's just that sense of direction that they're missing at the moment. Well, and and I, I certainly agree with you that American Alpha has the ability to take this away um, uh, as clear winners. And, and certainly they will be challenged by the likes of tenured champions like the Usos. And certainly, um, you know, every uh, team in the SmackDown Live tag team roster brings an element of uh, being a champion. So... Uh, that being said, I do believe a American Alpha takes the championship uh, championships home with them uh, on Sunday. But B, I think it would be really interesting to see the SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions face off against the Raw Tag Team Champions at WrestleMania for nothing more than bragging rights. If you want to put tag team wrestling on the map, you put two championship teams against each other not for a belt not for an exchange not for a unification of things but for who is the best of the best and i think if we got to see american alpha versus gallows and anderson there is so much potential for that to steal the show and reclaim the prestige of tag team wrestling in the wwe today what do, you, what do you think about that? Yes, take my money, absolutely. I feel like there's no real one money match on either Raw or SmackDown when it comes to the tag team divisions, the current state of tag team wrestling. Um, I will say I'll throw one thing out there. I do not predict it, but it would be cool to see in a tag team turmoil match, teams come out every, you know, every once a team is eliminated, whatever, in terms of like a gauntlet, whatever. So once every team is eliminated in America now for the final team or the final people standing, maybe the Revival resurface and they take on American Alpha and sign with SmackDown. I know they're currently busy down in NXT chasing the tag team titles with Authors of Pain, but we've seen it before. We've seen people pull double duty on both NXT and the main roster, and that would be a great match for WrestleMania too. It would be it would be great, and I think that that stepping stone, I wish it was there yet because I, don't, I just don't see if you add another t- tag team to this already pretty filled out uh, roster of tag teams. teams. Yeah. Sure, you have new blood in the water, but how do these other teams then respond to all of that? And and then we're right back in the same situation of tag team wrestling becoming a footnote in the WWE programming right now. We would love to see the return of tag team wrestling, especially with the announcement and the introduction this week of the Rock and Roll Express, the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame, one of the most legendary tag teams of all time. Um, what a better way to formulate some uh, a team to be able to uh, um, uh, complement their accomplishments as well and I, we, we, we spitballed some uh, some ideas of things that would be fun to see and uh, one of them was to see to come up with a tag team tournament starting right away and the winner of that tournament simply gets the, the privilege to introduce and induct the rock and roll express into the Hall of Fame I think it would be it would sh- again. There are tag team champions, and those never go away. It's not like a singles competitor can come in and win, win the tag belts. You have to have a tag team to do that. So you're kind of your own island at that point. But tag team wrestling is about prestige. It's about teamwork. It's about those teams that make that big of an impact. Just like the New Day just did, uh, being the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history. So. Uh, more of that prestige to tag team wrestling is, is going to go a long way for a lot of different competitors, and, and, and people work really hard to pull that off. But um, let's let's focus on the, on the handful of singles matches that we have 
at Elimination Chamber. Uh, let's 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 uh, rewind. Let's go all the way back to the kickoff show. We are going to see the rejuvenated, the reintroduction of Mojo Rawley continue uh, on his uh, his hype path, and uh, the hype train rolls right to Kurt Hawkins' door. Kurt Hawkins is also a very ostentatious and very braggadocious kind of human being as well. What do you make of this uh, this matchup? Do you feel like it's uh, even, or do you feel like there's some lopsidedness here? Well, I know on paper, might most people might not be looking forward to this match, but I think if people went out Ooh, of their way to people watch, should, people should <laughs> love this match. This match is going to be awesome. No better way to kick off the Elimination Chamber. Continue. Well, no, I was just about to say, I mean, I know we're big fans of it, but I feel people should definitely be going out of their way to check out WWE's YouTube channel or even the website. They put up a video on Tuesday right before SmackDown, Mojo Rawley and Kurt Hawkins getting at it backstage over... You know, because obviously Mojo Raleigh's good friends with uh, Gronk from from the Patriots, I think. So I'm not all that familiar with football. But anyway, so I know they were fighting over that backstage uh, about on about that on SmackDown on Tuesday. So I'm sure that's kind of the premise for this matchup. And if Mojo Raleigh can beat Kurt Hawkins, maybe that's one step further in furthering his own singles career before Zack Ryder comes back at some point. So yeah, I like this match. It's not as random as most people think it might be. Now, I love the idea. I love the fact that you brought up Rob Gronkowski here. Um, he obviously a uh, longtime family friend. Uh, Mojo Raleigh has been to the Gronkowskis and, and there's just so many ties and, and, and so much of that. But that has always been behind the scenes. That has always been something that the WWE acknowledges with a wink and a nod, and even through NXT acknowledged with a wink and a nod, and would point out Rob Gronkowski and talk about their friendship in a casual way. But it was always back to Mojo Raleigh, the hype bro, the hype machine Mojo Raleigh. Now we are seeing him being attacked for things in his personal life, uh, judged by those things. And now his character is being, uh, by proxy, associated with those things. He is going to defend all of that, but in turn, this makes him a different type of uh, uh, mental uh, competitor here. This is not the Mojo Rally that's going to burn out a ton of his energy just being hyped. Maybe we see Mojo Rally take a real page out of what makes uh, Rob Gronkowski one of the best football players of all time. Uh, and maybe Mojo Raleigh becomes more of that strategist, more of that brute force strategist. And if so, and he has a very clear tie with a very clear winning team, um, uh, a lot of that inspiration can rub off. And maybe Mojo Raleigh begins his ascension towards the you know WWE Championship status. I think um, he can, yeah. Yeah, Intercontinental Champion uh, would be a great uh, uh, place to set his sights on because Dean Ambrose loves competition. Dean Ambrose has no problem with somebody being hyped up and coming after him. He would love the competition, and it would be awesome to see Mojo Raleigh set his sights high enough to attain something of that level of prestige. So uh, I'm going to give uh, the kickoff match nod to Mojo Raleigh here. Kurt Hawkins is just a human uh, punching bag, and we all love him for it. Um, moving on to uh, uh, something that has been building a lot of tension uh, between these two stupid superstars. Nikki Bella will be uh, going up against Natalia in a straight-up grudge match. I mean, uh, there's been nothing but bad blood, nothing but uh, uh, things said uh, between the two of them that basically cannot be taken back at this point. Natalia um, uh, seems a, a bit delusional, um, even going so far as to say that if she were not married to Tyson Kidd, one of the greatest human beings ever, uh, she would gladly be uh, pursuing John Cena. Uh, obviously delusional. 
Did she say that, or if John Cena was single, he'd be going after me? Because for some reason, oh, you're right, you're right. It was, it was one the other way around. Because they never mentioned Tyson Kidd, which I thought was weird. But well, he's been kind of like never men- on Grada. Yeah. They'll never mention Tyson Kidd. He has been on Total Divas. Yeah, that's a whole uh, other issue. Yeah, there, it's 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 the biggest disappointment in, it is. in uh, modern yeah. professional wrestling that Tyson Kidd, the the total workhorse of the WWE, I was gonna say the workhorse, yeah, is 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 no longer present uh, and is hardly talked about, in, almost to Benoit levels. And essentially, he did yeah, nothing. Wrong. We're <laughs> yeah. getting off topic. I could spend an entire hour talking about the 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 life and and success of Tyson Kidd, but um, Natalia certainly brings none of that to the table here. Uh, Nikki Bella, uh, I think, has is is far and away more prepared going into this. Has a clear head on her shoulders and. I haven't heard a single thing that Natalia has brought up that either sounds truthful or even close to uh, a reality of bothering Nikki Bella. I think Nikki Bella at this point just seems bothered that she has to deal with this. What, what did you take away? Absolutely. I mean, I will say for a feud, I did not think I'd be looking forward to coming out of the initiation of this feud a couple months ago. They've really changed my mind, I think, with the backstage brawls, the side-by-side interviews, which is something way out of the ordinary for WWE, as opposed to, I'm in the ring, you're in the ring, let's go back and forth, blah, 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 and do the cat fight thing. But I thought the way this was constructed on Tuesday, and really everything they've done up to this point, has exceeded expectations. Uh, And where they go from here is really the question. I know there is no stipulation in this match. I'm sure this will not be the end of the feud. We will see some sort of no disqualification match or whatever on SmackDown at some point between now and WrestleMania, if not at WrestleMania. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. I think Nikki Bella has it within her. She's been on a roll since coming back over, uh, over the summer, knocking off Carmella, now setting her sights on Natalia, who has really had her sights set on Nikki Bella in a way in terms of just being bitter and jealous over her success in Total Divas, blah, blah, blah. But I do think Nikki Bella takes some of the victory in this match. Now, you you, you said it perfectly here, um, uh, bitter and jealous. Uh, moving into uh, the last singles competition match here between Becky Lynch and Mickey James, it seems like Mickey James is a bit bitter and is a little bit jealous, but not necessarily of Becky Lynch. I think Becky Lynch is becoming uh, the focus of Mickey James' anger and frustration towards the would-be perception of who may have started the so-called women's revolution in professional wrestling. Mickey James, now for three weeks straight, has made point after point after point, great points, as to why the branded version of the women's revolution is not the actual full and complete story. And the modern new wrestlers like Becky Lynch, for example, coming in who have talked very vocally about the women's revolution in wrestling. Um, and Becky Lynch being one of the, the most respectful uh, components of that, giving so much homage to uh, 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 past superstars, uh, most notably uh, Lita and Trish Stratish and, and, and names uh, like that. Mickey James did not get as much of a rub in those sentences and those statements. And now Mickey James is the one back, is the one putting in the time, is traveling to every show and putting on stellar matches. Mickey James brings a lot of experience to this match. Becky Lynch is an incredible athlete, performer, and as serious as if there was anyone in the WWE on the women's roster that I feel could step into a ring and have me believe that there was a chance of her winning against someone like Ronda Rousey, it would be Becky Lynch. She just is a fighter. More than anyone else on the uh, women's roster for SmackDown Live, and maybe in, in general, Becky Lynch could step in a ring with Ronda Rousey, and I would believe that she would have a legitimate shot at landing, not necessarily a win, but a beatdown. 
Mickey James, though, as a wrestler, as a as a focused performer, she has she brings so much experience into this, and has had more pay per view and championship experience than Becky Lynch uh, is striving to have right now. What do you who who comes out on top here, and and what is the larger point that either winner could make? I mean, it's hard to say just because we have yet to see Mickey James back in a singles match since she returned. She's been in tag team match. She came up short on both occasions. Was not pinned. Um, but Becky Lynch is another one who always thrives in chase mode. So I think Mickey James winning here, getting that upper edge over Becky Lynch, continuing the feud going into WrestleMania, whether it be over the championship or not, whether Alexa Bliss gets back into the championship conversation uh, with these two women going into WrestleMania remains to be seen. But in terms of this match, Becky Lynch and Mickey James, a match I never thought I wanted to see until Mickey James came back to the company. And like you said, it's that fighting spirit that really separates Becky Lynch, the last kicker from everyone else on the roster, either SmackDown or Raw. So I'm looking forward to this. I do think Mickey James pulls out the victory, keeping Becky, you know, scratching and clawing and that much more, you know, hungrier heading into WrestleMania. And, 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 to see the two of them be part of what we were talking about earlier on the show here, the contract signing uh, that Alexa Bliss and Naomi were also part of. On This is something we've seen time and time again in the WWE to pretty much a, a, a very bored uh, and pandering kind of tone that, that comes off from these contract signings that can be so sterile, uh, predictable, and obvious. And while uh, if, you, if you're just reading the conclusions to these segments, uh, it probably read that way. But that is not the subtlety that came across in this. It, it, it started off as something very uh, standard that we've seen a million times before and, and turned into something really personal, I think. Especially the fact that Naomi was left out of the conversation for the majority of the time and treated as a footnote. Becky Lynch really came to prominence as a vocal supporter of this new era of superstars where Alexa Bliss is like, I don't care, I'm the champion. I'm going to side with Mickie James because she's experienced... And you know, I need to surround myself with people that know this business and not people that think they know what this business is. So it'll be a battle of ideology here. Does the new era have what it takes to completely stomp out any question that they are on the right path to this, you know, to their revolution or their addition to this revolution? This match is going to be great. I think it, it, they have a lot to showcase here, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it lands on the official match card when we see it uh, live this Sunday. Uh, now, to, to conclude this card, which has just been so exciting to c- break down match by match and go through to see what we're going to see on Sunday, one of the matches that has been building um, in both uh, personality and in physicality has been the rise to darkness that has brewed inside of Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Dolph Ziggler has been put in a two-on-one handicap match against former allies, uh, Apollo Crews and Kalisto, both people that have come to uh, the defense of Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler taking exception to that uh, showing of uh, friendship and and support um, to the point where it doesn't seem like he cares whether he's going to win or lose another match. He's he's going to go and hurt some people. And now these two people have a chance to hurt Dolph Ziggler. But being the show-stealing show-off that he is, I have a feeling that Dolph Ziggler is going to become in very prepared for a two-on-one scenario um, with no DQ really in place. What do you think, Graham? I mean, absolutely. He's got experience on his side. Dolph Ziggler has been here on and off for the past 10 years straight. Apollo Crews still a relatively fresh face on the main roster as well as Kalisto. 
Um, so regardless of whether it's one-on-one, two-on-one, Dolph Ziggler, as you said before, that brooding darkness within within him is really what's going to take him to that next level and help him score the victory here You know, on the road to WrestleMania before setting his sights perhaps on the Intercontinental Championship again. Now that Dean Ambrose is in possession of that championship, and they have history, but I'm going to go with Dolph Ziggler here. I couldn't agree more. I think Dolph Ziggler, uh, especially without the the no disqual with with the no disqualification stipulations that come with a two on one handicap match, certainly uh, I think the way that he wins now is by forcing management to put him in situations where every possible tool is at his disposable at his disposal to win. So I think Dolph Ziggler does take it away this time uh and it's certainly going to be through sheer force um you know so very exciting stuff really looking forward to elimination chamber this sunday graham i wonder if we could get a quick recap here of what we saw on 205 live this week and nxt respectively graham this is the next era wrestling 205 live recap well, I mean, kicking off the show, it was announced Tony Nese was injured during that tag team match on Raw at the start of the show in that six-man, that blockbuster six-man tag team match. So he was replaced in the main event to crown a new number one contender to that championship. Mustafa Ali taking on Arya Daivari in the opening match in 205 Live. Ali scoring the victory, cementing his spot in the main event in the Fatal 5 way elimination match. Number one contenders, the Cruiserweight Championship. The Brian Kendrick taking on Lince Dorado in a fun little outing. Kendrick emerges victorious. Only to call out Akira Tozawa. And instead of Akira Tozawa coming back, we had the returning Tajiri back on 205 Live. So we got the uh, we got Buzzsaw back on, on Tuesday nights, which is amazing. And to finish off the hour, and what I thought was the greatest main event in 205 Live up to, the, up to this point to date, it was the gentleman Jack Gallagher taking on TJ Perkins, taking on Cedric Alexander, taking on Noam Dar, and taking on Ali uh, five of the most elite athletes in the cruiserweight division right now, all battling for a future title shot at Neville's cruiserweight championship at the Fast Lane pay per view. As I said, an elimination fatal five way match. So Noam Dar, the first one to go, followed by Cedric Alexander with some help from Noam Dar on the outside. Ali, the next one to go after suffering, um, after wrestling earlier in the evening, that kind of caught up to him. Coming down to Jack Gallagher and TJ Perkins, the crowd went nuts, and we've talked about before how the crowd can kind of be dead sometimes during these 205 Live shows, but they came to life during this match, specifically down the stretch, when it was Perkins versus Gallagher one-on-one. Very, very exciting for the first time ever. TJ Perkins barely, barely almost coming up with a victory, but Jack Gallagher gets the better of him, cementing his spot in the title match at Fastlane for the Cruiserweight Championship. So overall, I know you have yet to check it out, Tom. It's an amazing show. It's well worth the watch this week. Well, especially for the return of the Japanese buzzsaw, my, one of my all-time favorite performers ever, Tajiri. I'm so excited. I have even more to enjoy this evening when I check out 205 Live. But, Graham, I wonder if we could get a quick NXT recap. Uh, a lot of things going on coming out of TakeOver. Obviously, we have a glorious new champion. Um, uh, talk a little bit about what we saw this week on NXT. Well, Sanity resuming the role of dominance on Wednesday nights, taking on the new team of the Bollywood Boys in NXT, making absolute short work of the team with Killian Dane. Alexander Wolf was not even tagged in. Killian Dane just literally killed the team of the Bollywood Boys before calling out Ty Dillinger following his loss at NXT TakeOver San Antonio. Not the last time that we would see Sanity on this show. Uh, then we had Liv Morgan taking on Billy Kay in a showcase of the women's division on NXT. 
Great outing from these two up-and-coming women. Liv Morgan scoring her first one-on-one victory, one -on -one victory in some time before being attacked by Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, setting the stage for next week where it will be Billy Kay and Peyton Royce versus Liv Morgan and a partner of her choosing. So on next week's episode, stay tuned for that. Also in this show, we had Sanity coming back out, attacking Ty Dillinger, coming to the aid of the Perfect Ten. You had No Way Jose and Roderick Strong setting up the main event for that week's show. Uh, so we'll get back to that in just a little bit. The Revival coming back out for the first time since their loss of the NXT Tag Team titles many weeks ago, taking on the new team of Heavy Machinery. A very impressive outing here from the new team of Heavy Machinery with a great outing, looking very, very good in defeat. The Revival ultimately emerging victorious before calling out the NXT Tag Team Champions, Authors of Pain, putting their name back in the hat that they want the gold back in their possession. Uh, teased a bit of a, a face-off there, attacked them cowardly before walking off was the Revival on Authors of Pain, so I'm sure we have not seen the last of that feud in the future. Uh, Bobby Roode, as you mentioned, Tom, making his initial appearance on NXT as the NXT champion, ushering in the most glorious era in the history of the black and yellow brand. Uh, just great stuff here, just running down the audience, telling him why he was right. He told him so a year ago when he arrived in NXT at TakeOver Dallas, saying that he would become the NXT champion in due time. And he has, remaining undefeated, no new challenger in sight. Bobby Roode stands tall on NXT. And closing out the hour, six-man tag team match action. You had Sanity, Sanity taking on the tremendous trio of No Way Jose, Ty Dillinger, and Roderick Strong. Some great stuff here. A lot of awesome back-and-forth action. But in the end, it was Sanity scoring the victory, further solidifying their dominance over NXT. Absolutely incredible the things that they are able to pack into a single NXT episode. It is incredible to see uh, all of the... Uh, tendrils that are spiraling out of takeover as we head to another takeover coming up in just a short while uh, around wrestlemania but uh we have uh covered our bases and now we can dive into everything on the side of raw the red brand um it has been a really uh, landmark week for some new introductions into the red brand um graham uh what did you think about this week's Raw kicking things off with a contract signing, the official introduction, uh, if you will, of Samoa Joe. Definitely something different. I enjoyed how it kind of set the tone for that, or for the rest of the show. You didn't really know what to expect. I mean, the biggest talking point coming out of last week was obviously Seth Rollins being injured at the hands of the destroyer Samoa Joe. But what the future would hold with Samoa Joe was he officially a Raw-bound superstar or what would happen? Signing the contract on Monday night I thought was great. But uh, yeah, the overall segment I thought was very, very strong, setting the stage for Reigns versus Joe, as we'll talk about momentarily in the main event. But no, I thought this was very good. Also bringing up the fact that Mick Foley failed to bring on Samoa Joe 18 years earlier. So he has that pent-up you know, frustration within him, explaining how why he aligned with Triple H and Stephanie in the first place. Now, uh, let's, let's, let's explore that for just a second. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the relationship, or maybe the in-ring relationship, that Samoa Joe may have had with Mick Foley. Well, I mean, going back to Ring of Honor, Mick Foley was very high in Samoa Joe as well. CM Punk helping pave the way for both guys, specifically CM Punk, who came into WWE a lot earlier than Samoa Joe, going off on different paths. CM Punk went to WWE, Samoa Joe TNA, obviously helping him out in the long run, but he could have brought him in a lot earlier. I know Mick Foley's only been GM for about six, seven months at this point, but Mick Foley has been a prominent figure in WWE for how long now? 15, 20 years. He could have brought him in a while ago if he wanted to. 
But uh, he didn't. Samoa well, there, Joe had to report to NXT first, too. And there's so much about Samoa Joe's attitude that is uh, not uh, the type of attitude that McFoley prefers to work with in this instance. Uh, hence his kind of lackadaisical, um, n- non-emotional introduction of Samoa Joe to the raw brand of the roster. So uh, given that, uh, Roman Reigns uh, decides to come out because Samoa Joe is, uh, you know, basically trying to stake his claim on the territory of, uh, you know, being the new uh, presence in the WWE. And uh, Roman Reigns took uh, almost immediate ex- exception with that uh, and came out and basically told uh, uh, Samoa Joe that this is his his yard uh, and he's the big dog. He's the real <laughs> Samoan Joe around And he's here. he's the actual Samoan Joe. Um <laughs> Uh, Samoa Joe obviously didn't pay a ton of mind to that. And I think that these two competitors, um, especially on Roman Reigns' side, uh, do more of their talking with their fists than a microphone being in their hands. So uh, what we saw in the main event, uh, while marred with uh, controversy at the end of that match, uh, I think we saw exactly the type of brutality that these two competitors are going to eventually bring out of each other. It is going to be a slugfest back and forth between these two with very little love loss or, or uh, need to pull off anything that has any style or sizzle. It's going to be uh, blood for blood and by the gallon with Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns. How does Braun Strowman factor into this now that Mick Foley has returned to assigning him just random local competition? Well, I mean, he feels overlooked. I mean, you go back to a week ago, he had a shot at the Universal Championship, and he pretty much had the championship won, had it not been for the interference of Roman Reigns. And now you have Goldberg and Brock Lesnar set the stage for that match at, at Fastlane and WrestleMania. So Braun Strowman's so busy that, I mean, he has so much stuff going on right now with Roman Reigns, has his eyes on the championship. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes, but I know I can understand his frustration with Mick Foley on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, that frustration is is going to build because uh, it feels, uh, based on uh, reports and things that are coming in from various sources, that Seth Rollins is going to be back in the picture uh, perhaps sooner than most people expected. That's going to definitely take the focus of Samoa Joe uh, and put it right back on the, the, the shoulders of Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins is going to demand that kind of attention. And, and Triple H certainly seems ready to dispatch that resource in the destroyer Samoa Joe towards specifically Seth Rollins, especially if Braun Strowman has his sights set on Roman Reigns. Um, very interesting uh, controversy coming out of all of that. Uh, another controversial moment that we saw, maybe a moment that of declaration, rather, that we saw when Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho took to center stage in the middle of the ring to address the WWE Universe on potential matches going forward, the future of the Universal Championship title. Uh, Chris Jericho suggesting that uh, not only should Tom Brady uh, be added to the list of Jericho, but... Uh, that the WWE Universe deserves to see a match between Kevin Owens, Universal Champion, and Chris Jericho, United States Champion, as the main event at WrestleMania. Can't argue with that. It, that, that, that has money written on it all day long. Uh, it would be an easy favorite for us to focus on if it weren't for what transpired immediately following that announcement where Goldberg... Uh, Uh, came out uh, and basically threw down a challenge for the Universal title at uh, 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 Fastlane coming up. 
um, making his intentions fully known that he would prefer to walk into WrestleMania uh, for his match against Brock Lesnar as the WWE Universal Champion. What do you think Goldberg's odds are here, given the fact that Chris Jericho explicitly convinced Kevin Owens to take this match, almost assigning it to him anyway, with the with the forethought that he has always been there to, to cover him and save his ass. Well, I mean, whether it be two on one, ten on one, I feel Goldberg, the odds are always in his favor. The same man, let's go back to Survivor Series three months ago, beating Brock Lesnar, who had been undefeated for over three years, beating him within a span of ninety seconds. So I don't think Owens' chances are too good. Um, come Fastlane. I do think there's a very, very, very good chance he leaves Fastlane, walks into WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, that is, as the new WWE Universal Champion. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Goldberg has a championship history about him. He's certainly proved his dominance over uh, Brock Lesnar so far in almost any uh, casual or formal meetup the two have had. So uh, does Goldberg have a Brock Lesnar uh, time clock to beat with Kevin Owens in the ring, or is Chris Jericho going to be enough of a distraction to expose the fact that longer matches historically for Goldberg do not go his way? That's so, it. Yeah, exactly. So I feel, yeah, Chris absolutely. Jericho would know that more than anyone on the roster. He has the most in-ring experience out of someone that is an active roster participant with Goldberg in their past in WCW and in the WWE. So, if there's someone that can play Goldberg like a fiddle for the obvious one that he can be, sometimes his, his strengths are very strong. His weaknesses are painfully obvious when it crosses that time length. And if you look at the matches he's had with Brock Lesnar, he would not survive a even a quick pit stop into Suplex City because if he crosses that five-minute threshold, it could it's going to be a slugfest and a scratch and crawl for Goldberg to beat a person like Brock Lesnar, let alone be distracted by someone like Chris Jericho. And who knows, maybe he ends up with brass knuckles to the face and the ref doesn't see it. Anything is possible with these two. Goldberg definitely has a lot to prove. And coming in with a loss without the championship is going to make Brock Lesnar give that extra little bit of chip on his shoulder that he knows that Goldberg can be beaten and in short time. So uh, will it expose Goldberg for his flaws or will Goldberg steamroll over Kevin Owens? Very excited to see. And the last uh, um, controversy we're going to focus here on today uh, is the Raw Tag Team Champions defended uh, their championship. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson defeated Cesaro and Sheamus. However, it was via a disqualification from an intruding uh, Enzo and Cass. Now, Enzo and Cass really didn't pay a whole lot of mind. They really didn't need to be sitting that close to ringside to be able to see this match. Uh, I feel like they wanted to put their nose into this. I feel like Enzo and Cass saw this as an opportunity to basically subvert and make sure that Cesaro and Sheamus didn't get a chance to get the belts back around their waist so that they can now be next in line. Do you think it worked out for them? Yeah, I think for the club, I mean, they were looking for any excuse to retain those titles. Who, whether they would have won anyway remains to be seen just because. I mean, they've beaten Cesaro and James before. They might have done it again. But I think Enzo and Cass just saved them their tag team titles. Enzo and Cass coming off two victories over Rusev and Jinder Mahal in tag team action. They have more than deserved a shot at that strap for a long, long time now. So I do sense some sort of triple threat tag team title match at Fastlane in a couple weeks. So I'm liking where the future of the uh, NX, or rather Raw's tag team division is headed in the uh, coming weeks. 
Absolutely. Uh, we have uh, so much more to talk about with Fastlane looming just, uh, I don't know, it, it feels like it's only a couple weeks away at this point. A little over three weeks in Chamber on Sunday, yeah. Yeah, Chamber on Sunday. We have so much coming up, Graham. This has been a fantastic show. We will be back to you on our regularly scheduled Thursday next week. You can listen online at nextarawrestling.net. We have been WrestleRant Radio. You have been just a bunch of marks. Have a good one out there. Enjoy Elimination Chamber. <laughs>